Hi, I'm KS Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdroid Podcast. Today, I'm joined by educator, game developer, and creator of the JRPG PC game Mango Mischief, currently on Kickstarter, Chris Mango. Welcome, Chris. Uh, hi, Caleb. Thanks for having me. Okay, so yeah, I mean, outside of uh, my introduction, who is Chris Mango, and what are you about? Uh, well, to kind of just build off the educator part, first and foremost, I'm a teacher. Um, I've taught high school math and college math for a couple of years now, and it, that's my primary profession, and that's kind of shaped how I involve myself in my passion projects, like creating this upcoming game and things like that. So the same types of uh, problem solving and analysis and critical thinking I try to elicit from my students, uh, I try to kind of project onto what I'm hoping the players of my, my games and things like that will end up doing too. Okay, cool. So um, what is Mango Mischief about? Sure. So it's it's a, a retro kind of old school 16-bit kind of JRPG from you know your Super Nintendo era and things like that, with a lot of the the common tropes. The party of four characters. You've got your your warrior and knight character. You've got your uh, assassin hunter um, thief uh, character trope. You've got your your uh, dark mages and your light mages, your healers and magic users, things like that. Um, but I try to put uh, spins on it from time to time to kind of satirize just how kind of overused and cliche some of these tropes end up being. So, uh, you know, once in a while, it might be time for a battle or something, and the characters just might point out how they're looking forward to actually finding a, finding a monster that's actually their size, because hypothetically, you know, typically the, the monsters you fight against are, are way larger sprites and way larger uh, pixelated versions than the small characters. Um, uh, there'll, be, there'll be other situations where uh, there'll be some fourth wall breaks or asides where we'll talk about how um, maybe a room is locked and how you know even NPCs need their own privacy from time to time. Or maybe the bathroom's locked because you never actually see a bathroom in your typical RPGs. You, you might learn about how um, maybe all characters learn ladder controller level zero or something like that. Just, just yeah. to kind of ha have those interesting conversational pieces because a lot of times we take these tropes for granted. Sometimes we kind of either half-assed a story or just kind of assume that things are just going to uh, be expected and then all of a sudden there's a curveball um, which is is nice to kind of break the, the potential monotony that some RPGs kind of use it's like that formula but a lot of RPGs enjoy and it's worked forever and ever and ever so I steal some of those and some other things I just I just call out at face value. Yeah I'm actually um, studying the SNES um pixelated, I guess, era back in like the 80s and the 90s. So I'm reading up on Wizardry and Ultima and um, what's what's another one? Uh, the Zelda, all the, the older Zelda games. Yeah, um, some of the Final Fantasy, some of the yeah. Final games, yeah. Yeah, I'm reading up on those um, now. And I just thought it was interesting because I'm supposed to publish it on Sunday. And then I saw your project. I was like, oh, this would be a great, uh, I guess, segue into it. When I put mine up on Sunday and then yours will go up the following Thursday, that'd be great. Um, I also like the um, satirical element of it because I was looking at some of the videos on the Kickstarter page and it's crazy because like talking to like the uh, NPCs helps get information like eavesdropping on conversations or um, going into a house like the door is open but this is like a private residence you can't just come in there like that and then um, what you talked about with bladder control, everybody learns about that. There's no need to go to the bathroom. And I thought it was weird because I was just talking about um, the bathrooms in, I guess, 
fantasy magical settings and specifically you know harry potter where the it just disappears but we have bathrooms you know they talk about bathrooms all the time especially in the second book so how does that make sense that it just disappears but we have bathrooms we have indoor plumbing so yeah i just thought it was really funny um yeah, there, there's actually, there, to, to build off that, it's, it's funny that we're talking about bathrooms for like five minutes, but there, there's a point in, in one of the, the hotels in, in one of the more modern uh, towns, uh, the NPC, well, actually the playable characters, there's, I guess, what could be considered a cinematic scene, uh, kind of a, an auto uh, scene where they actually do get to look inside a bathroom and it just like blows their mind type of thing because they're so, it's so accustomed to just, yeah, it's just not a thing at all. Um, yeah, to your point about, whether it's uh, eavesdropping on conversations, you know, maybe you shouldn't be, you know, listening in on the private conversation of the fact that a husband and wife just lost their daughter and they can't really find her right now, or um, uh, or some of the other situations that, that I kind of talked about, like um, you know, you might you you always fish for information by talking to every NPC, and some NPCs are just like, who, who the hell are you? Why why are you in my house? This is my bedroom. What is wrong with you? Exactly. And, and, and then your characters are like, oh, you. Usually, when we just talk to random people in their houses, like usually the conversations go a lot better. Is there like any sort of information you can give us? And it's like uh, NPCs calling out how like to them the world doesn't revolve around you. Mm -hmm, exactly. You know, the players, you know, it, it totally does. So just kind of having that juxtaposition to kind of um, uh, to kind of jar the player a little bit um, and to add a little bit of comedic relief from time to time, I think is is reasonably fresh and i think that uh so far the feedback i've gotten has been, has been pretty uh, pretty positive about that yeah and just to add on to the eavesdropping um in boulders gate three which i'm playing now um when you go into the druid camp um you're eavesdropping on a conversation between two parents who lost their daughter oh, yeah. and that's how you try to get into because like she, she stole something and they're trying to find her before the druids get her, she's a tiefling, and they have to get her before the druids do, before they kill her. Um, but you find out by eavesdropping on a conversation. So I just thought that was funny that you put yours in there, and you shouldn't be eavesdropping on people's conversations. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I definitely like that that more and more uh, games these days are at calling out some cliche tropes from time to time, or calling you out for doing. You know, making moves that you would never do in real life, but you just do because it's a game and you don't expect like any consequences or repercussions. Mm -hmm. from, like, yeah, uh, getting in, getting in people's way and like that, uh, and not not uh, not respecting your personal bubbles and things like that. I think it's kind of cool to call that out a little bit. Yeah. Um. Can you explain the creative process? I guess just from a thought or idea into your in your from your head to executing the project. Uh. Yeah. So. Um, while I've always loved a bunch of different genres, like, um, like platformer games, um, RPGs, obviously, uh, adventure games, um, I always wanted to end up creating an RPG just because as I play a lot of the RPGs growing up, there were things I appreciated and some things that I would think, you know, uh, feedback wise, I wish would have changed a little bit differently, um, from, from kind of the, uh, the most positively received you know, Final Fantasy VII's and, and those types of games and Chrono Triggers to the RPGs that were like immediately rejected or are guilty pleasures like the Quest 64's of the world, which are, are known for being not the best RPGs ever and there's so much room to grow. So like those kinds of things have stuck with me for the past, I don't know, 
20, 25 years of, of gaming and things like that. Mm-hmm. And between having ideas of what I would like to see and what I would consider to be like an ideal RPG for myself, and then adding in puzzle elements and problem solving elements and kind of creating different narratives and stories to kind of tie in these four characters that I'm creating. Um, it developed in such a way where I wanted to make sure I was happy with every single step of the process and incorporating the RPG and the story um, and the puzzle elements into something that I that my kids would like playing, like my students would like playing, my eventual children would like playing, and something I could just be proud of in general. So, you know, when I create the different dungeons of the of the world, um, one thing I wanted to do is allow for a more freedom and options because, you know, when I'm teaching, you know. I know how important it is for students to have their own problem-solving process. So how you approach a problem is not the same way as a different person does. So I want both my students in the classroom and the players of my game to have that flexibility. And sometimes I've played games where it's a total lack of flexibility. It's very, very linear, which is sometimes good, but sometimes they kind of fake flexibility, like you take a left route and I take a right route and we just actually end up in the same spot. And it didn't really matter which, which route we took. So I think having consequences and having actual freedom has been something I've been trying to implement in my game. So um, like the eight later dungeons of the world, you can do in any order. There's no like BS person blocking your path or you know, you need the special item to go in here. So you can do, you know, most of the game in any order you want, which is a little annoying for me to to make sure that every single dungeon in any order has an appropriate difficulty level. Um, because if you go in the, if you do the dungeons in the reverse order for me, I need to make sure that we're both being challenged. It's not just you took the hard dungeon, I took the easy dungeon. Mm-hmm. It's based on your level, based on your progress, independent of the dungeons, things like that. So kind of layering different difficulty levels and actual freedom, um, whether it's running the game casually or speed running the game, kind of optimizing however you want to and being able to actually replay the game and have a different experience because you decided to do most of the game in the opposite order. Um, these are kind of things that I wanted to tinker with because I thought they'd be cool um, and uh, and kind of innovative so that way not everyone has an identical experience. So you know, these sorts of basically things that I think are interesting totally inform how I end up putting together the game. And, and sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't, I guess we'll find out. Um, but yeah, these are all just things that I kind of have brewing in my mind and I'm just kind of documenting and, and talking to a lot of people and being like, hey, out of curiosity, have you heard of something like this? Or might there be a useful plugin? Or do you know of a similar game that had this sort of interesting uh, scenario uh, or mechanism? And just you know, talking to a lot of people and learning as much as possible about the process. So what was your, what, are there other collaborators on this or is it just solely on, on you? So it's just me. Uh-huh. Um, I'll, I'll reach out from, to people from time to time um, to ask, just to ask questions, to, to kind of pick their brains on some ideas, and they'll pick mine on whatever else that they're working on. Um, uh, you know, I, I've discussed with a few people, um, I, I have some close friends and family members who are alpha testing this as they go along, and, and some other people too, uh, who have been reasonably good, reasonably helpful with their feedback. I have some people creating like promotional art and fun things like that, but as far as as the actual creation development goes, um, that's you know, completely falling on my shoulders, which I kind of like that freedom to, to do it at my own pace and to make sure it's something that I'm super proud of. Um, maybe it's because I've heard of so many um, 
stories about how someone started off with a passion project and got like co-opted by this other person or this other group or this other company and then they're not too pleased with the way it turned out so yeah 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 I've been doing these interviews I'm pretty sure you've heard if you've listened to the other interviews about how you know um a comic writer or um illustrator whoever it may be uh, reaches out to somebody for artwork or editing and it's just like it's not what they wanted but they still had to pay them for it and they had to you know come out a lot of money out of pocket and then they had to start all over again so um let's see uh what insight would you give to up-and-coming gaming developers you wish someone would have told you when you first started well, to be completely honest, I've only been doing this for like a year and a half. So I am, I am not an expert by any means. Um, I've watched a lot of videos and talked to as many people as possible about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, I mean, the, the most important information that I can give right now, given that this is like my first actual like big game project, is just that the community as a whole, whether it's gamers slash game developers, game artists, whatever your specific niches or niches are, um, that there are a lot of people who are very, very helpful and just eager to learn and listen and just having those dialogues and not being afraid to reach out through social media, um, you know, to go into gaming forums and things like that. So like the, the, um, the game engine I'm using is uh, RPG Maker. MD. And so like there, I got all that information from the RPG Maker forum and there's tons of people willing to answer questions and doesn't matter how dumb your question is, people are just more than happy to just see more people interested in the game engine or the gaming process or this genre or just a, a cool trope or mechanism or something that you're you're trying to make work. And everyone is just super helpful. So I think even though at the end of the day I consider this to be like a solo project for myself, like I, I am standing on the shoulders of, of so many people who know way more than I do, whether it's computer programming stuff or, hey, I've made like 20 games before and they haven't been any big things, but here's some lessons I can learn. So just picking the brains of everyone and not shutting yourself out, um, especially with with so much online processing and social media where it's uh, Twitter and Instagram and, and whatever. Um, there, There is no, I haven't found any lack of uh, of help just as long as you're willing to reach out, people are willing to respond. So I found that super helpful. And then you said this is your first, I guess your first indie game development. Like this is the first time you've ever developed a, a game? So so yeah, I actually started this when, I guess when coronavirus started shutting things down. So like for 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 my district, because I, I teach in New Jersey. So like um, for us, it was, it was like high day. It was like March, uh, 14th around there when like school shut down and mm-hmm. so I had to fix up a whole lot of stuff going on with my teaching and not being able to teach in the classroom means I started had to be I uh, needed to be creative in a bunch of other ways so like how am I going to teach stuff online it also gave me a little bit more time to to work on this to start and really work on this passion project of mine too because you can't go to the house for any number of months you know, all, all the businesses are closed down. You can't do fun things. Like my wife and I were mostly staying at home if we weren't, if she wasn't working. Um, so it's what am I going to do with my free time? And a lot of it was playing the games and a lot of it was starting to develop this because it had been kind of eating away at me for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And technically before that, I made a little, on Game Maker Studio, I made a little like a Asteroids type clone game where I was just, uh, you know, just like a little shooter game type thing, which was, 
a nice, very simple project. It was a couple of weeks, but this is definitely my first big project where, you know, it, it's taken months and months and months. It'll take a couple of years. And, uh, um, yeah, this is my biggest, uh, investment in any sort of like game development formal space. Well, yeah, I'm asking, I ask that because it's like, from what I've seen, it's really, really good as far as like visually and then the design of the game, like how you play it. And then obviously the satirical element is probably the one of the best parts of it from my from my perspective, from what I've seen. It's really, really great. And then you're talking about how you just you you make you're making these games like how you just make a game. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I mean, I know I, I've been writing notes and ideas and things like that for a very long time. And I, I have tons of documents and spreadsheets and stuff filled with just different ideas like, hey, it'd be cool to make fun of this thing or it'd be cool to make sure that you know, this story element was included and this is what I like in a battle and this is what I don't like in a battle. And I mean, it, it's something I'm very happy with. It takes kind of the, the best elements of, of my favorite RPG games growing up. So at least for me, it's something I'm happy with. So I, there are so many, there are so many different, um, I guess, huge options or huge uh, changes you can make when creating an RPG. So, you know, when you're doing the battle system, which better be good because obviously a lot of your game is going to be combat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is it, you know, do you flash over to a new screen like I do in mine? So it's just an old school game. It's not kind of a, a live hitting thing. Um, but, you know, when you have your battle, is it going to be turn-based? Is it going to be real-time? Like, which of the final fantasies are you pulling from with this? So, like, you know, I like doing turn-based, and I also like having it be conditional turn-based. So the the turn order is not always set in stone. You might do an attack that takes a while to charge up, or you might do an attack that goes out really quickly and you can attack again. Mm -hmm. So I find that I found that for me, kind of like Final Fantasy X, where you know you can cast haste on yourself or something, and it it for me it was a nice compromise between the people who appreciate the time to think and meticulously choose what attacks or spells or items they're going to be using, um, but also the people who want to be rewarded for being a little bit more strategic or, or having quicker fingers or things like that too. So like the, these large-scale decisions are things that, are, that I'm always thinking about. Um, and they just happen to be the things I liked. So, I mean, I like storytelling in general. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess that's been brought over here. Obviously, problem solving and coming up with puzzles and stuff. So I, I think my experiences as an educator and just growing up in general, doing gaming and doing other hobbies have lent itself nicely into fitting into the big picture of what you need to do to make a game. Um, also, quite frankly, the, the RPG maker and the game engine does a lot of heavy lifting too. Like, I am not a computer programmer. I really don't have experience doing coding or things like that. Um, that would be a definite dearth of knowledge on my part. But since the Game Maker forum has been out for a while, the game engine has been around, there's a lot of useful plugins and you know, there's different things using JavaScript where I can at least go into the code and, and move some things around to mm -hmm. kind of customize things to my liking. But a lot of it's been very helpful. A lot of it's been, hey, you know, here's a post, here's a question. I'm wondering what you think about this and just getting feedback, even if they haven't played my game. Um, just having some conversations about like hypothetically which of these options do you think would make sense let me give you some context let me show you some pictures or just like a quick video or something and just just give me feedback and then just being open to hearing everyone's feedback regardless of how positive or negative it is and just making small changes all the time 
So you know, what you see at any point in time is the result of tons and tons of modifications, not just within my mind, but based on the feedback that I'm taking seriously from, from everyone who's offered me any sorts of their insights, because obviously, you know, the, the thousand people I've talked to already know way more than just me. Uh-huh. Um, so the last time I checked on the Kickstarter page, um, it, the Mango Mischief is like nearly funded. So like, how does it, how does it feel? Yeah, we, we, I think this morning we hit like 80% or something like that. Um, yeah, oh, like 85, it, I think. 85, cool. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's, that's fantastic. Um, I, I'm fortunate enough to be in a position right now where my livelihood does not depend on the success of this, mm-hmm. which makes it a little bit less stressful, a little, well, a lot less stressful, I assume, since, you know, being a game developer is not my primary profession. This is a passion project. Um, I would love for as many people as possible to play it and think it's a cool game and stuff. Um, so the, the money that I get from Kickstarter will absolutely help with the, the art and the music and, and everything else that I need to be investing my own personal money into anyway, which is great. Um, but you know, just having people support the game and being like, hey, let me throw an extra few bucks your way because we've got the reward tiers and stuff. So like, not only do I want to, you know, play your game, but I want the early access or I want, you know, the kind of the uh, player's guide slash art book that I'm going to be creating with, with tons of background information. Um, or I want to customize and create an NPC in your world, or I want to create a monster like in your game and like talk with you, Chris, about like all of the, uh, the skills and the animations and stuff and putting that together. So the fact that other people are even taking interest in it is really, really, really cool. That's, that's very, um, it makes me feel, feel, feel very good too. That like, yeah, even though I'm pretty much developing it on my own, it, it's nice when other people take an interest in, in your hobbies in general. Uh-huh. Um, well, I accept it because um, as artists, we expect criticism or a minimum to no attention to our work. Um, so when you receive praise about your work or a, a contribution to a project, like, do you believe it when you, when you hear it? Like, from what, maybe what, what I just said, or maybe from the other people that you sought um, uh, advice from, and they saw it, and it was like, oh, this is really cool, or I like where you're going with this. Like, when you heard it, did you be like, okay, I'm, I'm moving in the right direction, or maybe maybe I should ask somebody else. I don't know if they're saying, if what they're saying is really holds weight. Yeah, so w- when I try to record all the feedback I'm getting, I, I care less about words like like or dislike or hate or love or things like that. I I care particularly about the substance that they're referring to. So, you know, when they talk about how they were confused by this puzzle, and I can take a look at why they were confused, if we can kind of sit down and get to the the granular parts, because, you know, I'm the one creating the game. So of course I'm already gonna know the answers to all the puzzles I write in and all the stories and things like that. I'm gonna know where we're going with this. I'm gonna know, the, the perfect way to solve this problem that the, that the player in, encounters. Um, but it's so much more useful for me for a player to play the game and then say either, all right, it was a little bit difficult at first, you know, my intuition led me in the wrong direction, but I was, but I was pretty easily able to get through this or I was completely confused and was completely lost. I had, nowhere, I had no idea what to do. So that sort of information from someone who's kind of blindly playing for the first time and isn't kind of like omniscient, like I am in this case, um, it's super, super valuable. 
So obviously, the more times I hear specific feedback, the more, I was going to say the more likely it is for me to believe it, but the more it solidifies the fact that, all right, it's not just like a one-off situation. Hmm. I try not to write off any feedback, no matter you know how small it is, or even if it's just one person, because that's still someone who's playing my game too. Um, I have to also balance that with other things I'm going to be encountering in the game, because at the same time, you can't make everyone happy all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest, one of the biggest recent changes I made was, um, again, in terms of the exploration and problem solving and how much direction and guidance do you give a player? Because there are some games, and I think it's, it's I think it's become a common trope over the past few generations where there's way too much handholding, where it's like, walk straight, press A. Save. I mean, walk over there, press, you know, uh, save your game again. So a lot of times, newer games will basically walk you through a large part of the game without you even having any sort of autonomy whatsoever. So it doesn't really feel like you're playing the game. It feels like you're almost watching a movie with a joystick or something like that. But on the other hand, there are plenty of games where just the world is, is so large and you're completely lost and you have no idea what to do that it can, it can really seem frustrating too. So one of the biggest changes I made was uh, a few of my friends gave me the feedback that I should start including some sort of quest log or journal to not just um, not just kind of preserve all of the, the steps and quests you've already completed. But if anyone wants a little bit of a tutorial, a little bit of a, a shove in the right direction, they can at least access that sort of quest log or journal too, as opposed to needing to memorize or remember everything because you don't necessarily play a game from beginning to end one sit down you might play for an hour then you know real life stuff happens you maybe play again like the next day or the next week and you're like i don't know what i was doing like what's the best way for me to get back up to speed with my progress so just having those types of things um i found to be super super helpful feedback or that the combat system was working well or not well you know i'm asking some of my my friends and family who are alpha testing like you know here are like 20 different skills because you're at this level now. You've got like 20 different skills to choose from. Which skills are you using a lot? Which skills are you not using a lot? Because I want to make sure that as many skills as possible are useful and good. Because mm-hmm. I've played plenty of RPGs where, you know, I like to, to grind out the levels really, really high. Um, I like to kind of pre-grind. But at the same time, I also fall into the trap where I just figure out like the one move that just kills everything over and over again. And then there's like 20 unused moves that could have been better in certain circumstances. So adding in different battle elements like um, elemental strengths and weaknesses, who's resistant to what, um, which moves are best to make based on the monster, things like that. Um, I I want the player to actually be thinking a little bit more about how these battles are encountered and what the best way is to win the battle. Mm -hmm. Hearing that, okay, well, this skill I used a lot, this skill I didn't even know I had, uh, this skill was balanced really well, this one was overpowered, like just hearing feedback from other people playing the game is just really helpful. It's just getting a new set of eyes as many times as possible. Yeah, I like the uh, idea of a quest log because me, I'll, I'll play a game maybe two, three times in a row, like deep days in a row. And then, like you said, life happens and I won't pick it up probably for another couple of months and then I like have no idea or even when I am playing a game I get caught up in doing this one thing and I'm like okay what am I supposed to do next again or I forgot what I was told I was supposed to do 
and there's a bunch of other things you can do in the game as well a bunch of side quests i'm like what was the main objective again so that's that's great to have with the uh the quest log um and then the same thing with the things that i don't need like it's a bunch of stuff that i don't need why is it here or you know spells or items and whatever it may be um and my last question is what is your idea of success um i ask that because if you're not making money or if you're if you don't have regular paychecks you're not considered quote unquote successful um a lot of us are led to believe that so we put our dreams on the back burner or we just give them up altogether um we could be hesitant or doubtful about pursuing this type of career path um since it's so highly competitive and highly intimidating so what is your idea of success yeah i mean again i'm in the position where like my financial livelihood is not dependent on how many copies of this game i sell mm -hmm. whether it's 30 copies or a hundred copies or a thousand copies or anything like that. So fortunately I don't need to worry about including, you know, I want to sell a thousand dollars or I want to sell 10,000. Like that, that's, that's not what I'm considering to be my success because I'm kind of in this more privileged situation where this is more of a passion project. Mm -hmm. um, I, first and foremost, I want a project, you know, I want a game that's, that's something that I am, I am personally happy with and I find fulfilling because mm -hmm. it, it's my own project. So for my own, uh, you know, passions, I appreciate that. So successful to me would be being really happy completing a project that I would be more than happy to play through a few different times. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be playing through it a hundred different times before it's released, but something that I would consider to be a, a good, a good game to kind of fit all the things I wanted to hit on from the problem solving to the satire, to all of those other things. And obviously it would be super fulfilling to hear other people say, you know, like this is really cool. It, it, it made me think about the genre in a certain way, or it fit a, a little niche that I don't think had been as fleshed out as much. So it was really nice that this kind of thing was explored. Or I, you know, I really appreciated overall that, that this was in the game, or, you know, this was difficult, but in the right ways. So, I mean, general positive, positive criticism and positive feedback is always helpful and things like that too. Um, yeah, I think people being interested in the game is something that I think everyone who's making a game would, would love to have. Um, but yeah, at least at least with me, it's something that as long as I'm happy with the game also, I can, I can kind of sleep at night. Um, and, and hey, if this ends up being really like a really good idea and if it ends up actually being legitimately popular, I don't know what the metric for that would be, but if it ends up being something that's broadly positively recept, uh, received, I could totally end up doing another type of game after this too. So. Mm -hmm. It's nice having that sort of flexibility where, you know, this, this doesn't have to be like a one and done type thing. I could end up making a completely different game or a sequel to this game. Um, so yeah, it just, you know, depends on, uh, you know, the next year, year and a half. Um, I'm thinking it'll be done, but it'll be done before 2022 is over. I'm pretty confident. Uh -huh. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So as long as I'm happy with it and as long as a couple other people enjoy the game, I mean, I have a pretty low bar as far as how I'm gauging the success of this, especially because I'm I'm a complete novice and dilettante when it comes to these sorts of things. This is this is not something that I have a ton of expertise in. Are you thinking of doing another game? I mean, you're still in the midst of doing the first one, but I mean, if you're anything like me, I'm already when I'm in the middle of doing a project, I'm already thinking of 
another one. It might be a sequel to the one I'm already doing or something completely different that it doesn't work in this project that I'm doing, but it can work in another one. So are you thinking of anything else right now? Yeah, it's funny you mention that because um, the kind of the, the growth and leveling systems in this game with different classes and, you know, you level up to different classes. There's a little bit of skill training and stuff, which uh, I'm pretty happy with, but there are some other customization and leveling up skills I'd like to explore in like a different project. So while I don't have like um, a secret sequel or too much of anything fleshed out yet, I, def I definitely have an additional kind of word doc, which is like things I would totally like to put in the game one day that just really don't fit into this one because mm -hmm. either they're contradictory or it's just going in slightly different directions. Um, or I just might need to actually complete this project to get a better understanding of, of how these other things would work too, just kind of getting all the experience down. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely tons of different ideas I have, and I can't fit every single idea into this one. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we can never say never in terms of potentially having another project. That'd be kind of cool. Okay. Um, well, is there anything else that you wanted to discuss or push about Mango Mischief um, that we maybe didn't touch on? Maybe um, the rewards for potential backers? Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, again, the game is Mango Mischief. Uh, there's the Kickstarter, which will be done in like a, a week, week and a half. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, you can find it. There's the website, mangomischief.com, which will bring you to the Twitter and the Instagram and the about pages and tons of pictures and other information too. Um, yeah, just to, again, to reiterate the Kickstarter rewards, it's, um, uh, the lowest reward is, you know, just to actually get the game. Uh, then there's the, um, then there's the game plus, uh, being able to, to be a beta tester, get the game before everyone else. Um, I always look forward to feedback. So if anyone who's beta testing wants to give me feedback, I would love to actually hear that feedback and, and chat more about that process. Uh, then the next reward tier is, uh, basically combining a little bit of a, a digital guide slash behind the scenes slash extra art that hasn't been posted slash uh maybe i'll include some sort of bestiary or something with the monsters a little bit of backstory for the different characters just to make it as an additional perk uh, that kind of compiles a lot of the different um things that i've been creating because I, I have tons of extra information from the the development side that never sees light of day um and then the next level up would be uh working with me to create an npc I've already been working with some people who have pledged at this tier. In terms of making an unplayable character, we'll talk about you know what you want the character to look at, uh, to look like. Is it a human? Is it a, a dog? A fox? Is it you know your best friend, your mortal enemy, whatever? Um, it, the kind of dialogue that we'll have, like where we're locating them, what kind of dialogue, uh, what kind of chit chat's going on? Because um, there's there's a, a huge spectrum and level of flexibility you can have with that. And then the, the highest tier, because it would take the most work. Is uh, working with me to make your own monster in one of the dungeons, um, mainly because not only do we need to figure out what we want the monster to look like, like a, a dragon or a god or a puppy dog or whatever, um, but we need to also figure out what the skills are, what what are their stats, like are they do they have a ton of HP, um, really strong defense, really strong offense. We have to make sure it's still balanced. Um, and then on top of like what elemental types you want the monster to be and what type of skills, we need to make the animations. So there's a difference between saying I wanted to shoot a fireball and actually taking a look at what the fireball will look like mm -hmm. as it like hits. Does it hit one character, all characters, a whole bunch of random characters? So there's just so many different layers and levels for that type of thing. Um, I think that'd be cool. I mean, I think it'd be awesome if there was a dungeon just made of like 
a whole bunch of just Kickstarter people who just pledged and was like, all right, you know, there's 10 of us. We're, we're going to do the 10 monsters for this little mini dungeon thing. And I think that'd be like a really funny and fun thing. And like, I have that sort of flexibility, which, which I kind of appreciate too. Um, I can pretty much make it whatever I want. So like being kind of that, in that like solo indie dev position mm-hmm. where if I don't like something, I can remove it. Or if I really like something, I can add it. And obviously the consequences are whether or not people would enjoy it. But I don't throw it at the end of the hole until like a partner or a company who's kind of against having a dungeon full of dragons or, or whatever the heck that they want to do. So yeah, um, so this is the different kind of reward tiers, and there's you know a little bit over a week left. If they, if anyone wants to to pledge and get it on the ground floor as a backer, I think it'd be super helpful and, and great, and I'd appreciate that. All right, well, thank you again to educator, game developer, and creator of the JRPG PC game Mango Mischief, Chris Mango. I highly encourage our listeners to back this project if they can. Also to follow along on the project's website, mangomischief.com and its various social media channels listed alongside the Kickstarter link in this episode's details. Again, I'm KS Garner and you've been listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Thank you.